Player Profiler Nation. It is Wednesday night, and as you know, we're flip-flopping with the trade gods. This is the Dynasty Roundtable Wednesday. Our, our producer, Jay, in the chat already. He's got the prelude to the episode. There's some there's some crazy stuff going on around the league. I'm pretty sure we got to keep it clean within like the first two minutes for ad monetization reasons. So there's some crazy stuff going on around the league. We have organizations imploding. We have running backs dying. And, and I'm talking in spirit, of course, in Minnesota. And we, you and I have said a lot of things this offseason. And what better time to, to pull all that back than, than week two and, and look into some of the crazy stuff we've said and see if we still uh, back our takes or if we're willing to, to walk it back a little bit. And then we're going to finish the show off by going through our temperature checks of rookies around the league. How do we feel about them in the short term, in the long term, in week two or through week two? It's Wednesday. It's going to be a great show. Let's kick it off. Seth, Seth Dewald, your your team has been has been circling the news today, and if it weren't for a certain trade, it might be the top headline of the day. Uh, we were talking about this pre-show. We decided to just go live and talk about it here. So, Chicago Bears, uh, Justin Fields calling out the coaching staff, and Luke Getzey's fired. Uh, defensive coordinator resigned. Uh, we'll be up front. We're we're not going to get into that one. Um, let what's on your mind right now what's going through is your that, head is that official because i was looking for it and i couldn't find official words so luke gets is officially fired i be, i believe so that's okay. the knowledge i've been working under well i would say this i i'm never i'm always a person probably by my nature that's willing to give second chances and that's willing like a lot of times hoping against all hope it's kind of like if you're a sports fan, I don't think you can't help but be a romantic about your team. And that's certainly how I feel about the Chicago Bears. However, the Chicago Bears, time in, time in, time and time again, find a way to rip my heart out of out of my chest, right? I mean, the most recent example, you know, drafting Mitchell Trubisky ahead of Deshaun Watson and, and Patrick Mahomes, the double doink. I mean, we could go on and on, but then they draft this guy named Justin Fields. And it really looks like organizationally, especially after watching the QB school, especially after watching tape, like it's it's a good thing that Luke Getzey was fired. I mean, when you call the same screenplay three times in a row, down three, inside your own, what, 10 or 15 yard line. I mean, that's the kind of shit that I'm sorry, we probably already got demonetized for that. Uh, that's good. the kind of shit that I'll say it again, that, that you do on Madden. Right. Like that you you were playing Madden together and I run the same play three times in a row because I'm stubborn and I know it's going to work like and I that it's it's crazy. And it's there's evidence out there. You can go check it out. I I urge you to do that. Normally, I'm not a fan of of a player calling out the coaching staff. And I know Justin Fields back. He kind of backtracked later on, but that's basically what he did. It's basically what he did. He stuck up for himself. And I was happy he did it because, yes, does Justin Fields need to be better? Of course he does. He's not finding open receivers. He's he's not do he's not pulling he's not throwing the ball down the field the way he should be. 
and he needs to be better, but this organization also needs to be better too. And today was one of the worst days that I can remember as a Bears fan. I mean, we won't even talk, like you said, we're not going to get into the defensive coordinator stuff. You guys can look that up if you want to. It, I mean, it's all rumors at this point, so I don't even want to speculate, but that, I mean, it's not great. And it's it, all of this leading up to a week where we go into Kansas City, right? They're right in our backyard here in Kansas City, Was it, which was a game that we were looking forward to for a long time. Just Chiefs fans and Bears fans, the Bears, we thought we didn't think they'd be at the level of Kansas City, but we thought they might be OK. You know, I, I don't even know if I had playoff aspirations for them, but I thought they'd be a competitive football team. And thus far, it's been one of the most disappointing years that I can remember as a Bears fan. We're only two weeks in. We aren't, we're only two weeks in, but all of this organization, dis, like upheaval, chaos. I mean, it's just, I hate to say it, but any other team but the Bears, I mean, you throw the Bears in there with who the Browns and the, the Jets, I don't like of the organizations that just cannot figure it out, you know? And it's just, I'll, I'll, I'll root for this team until the day I die. That's the sick part of it. I love this team so much, like ever since I was a teenager. Um, God, Lee, like it's just days like today are not good days. Let me just say this. When we talk about Justin Fields, let me, I, I want to talk about Justin Fields for a moment. I did, I did a video on my own channel about half of it was about Justin Fields. And the, essentially it was this, it's like, he is now the most, whether you like him or not, like he's the most volatile asset in dynasty right now. He is like, he could go down the Trey Lance path or he could, he could rebound and we saw it last year. He had games where not what he wasn't just a good fantasy quarterback. He was the best fantasy quarterback in the NFL, like back to back weeks over 40 points. We saw it. I mean, the talent is certainly there. I'm still a believer in Justin Fields. I don't think there's any way you can trade him. I think the best thing you can do is hold him and hope if you're not a fan of him, hold him and hope that he has one of those breakout games. And then you can, if you want to trade him, you can. But he, I don't know how you feel, Matt, but that's that was my advice, basically, is you cannot trade him now because, yes, his value could tank like Trey Lance, but I don't think it's going to. I think he's going to have one of these games. It could even be against Kansas City if he feels like he can play free and loose, as he said himself. Like if he feels like he can run when he wants to run and just, you know, it just felt like Justin wasn't, you know, wasn't all there for whatever reason these past two weeks. So we'll see if that's corrected against the Super Bowl champion Chiefs. But what do you what do you, what's your evaluation? I know this is later in the show sheet. Like, yeah, for sure. When we get to it later in the show sheet, it'll probably just be a quick a quick segment because I do have some other things in that section that we can talk yeah. about. But essentially, have you seen the the quarterback school video on Fields Buccaneers? Yeah, I've, I haven't seen the Buccaneers one. I saw the Packers one with the you know, the play at the goal line. But yeah, I've seen some of the QB school stuff. And he, yeah, I saw the freeze frame of him just missing a wide open guy going down the The scene. same, like the same picture as Mitch Trubisky. It's the same, you can, you can put them side by side and they're the same thing. Yeah. But the, the thing is my, one of my important takeaways from that video is there's a clear, there's multiple problems around that field, right? So we look at, if we talk about the stuff that, you know, the video mentions it's the pat there's problems with the pass protection. There's a lot of problems with the offensive scheme. So Getsy being gone is, is bueno. We're, we're okay yeah. with that. And 
there's problems with the way these receivers are running routes too. Like the fact that the the Buccaneers one, especially Claypool, just runs some some of the sloppiest routes. They need that, to just, they need to just cut him or the something. The fact like, that he they, ha- he earned eight targets is the crazy thing. And yeah. and I watched this film back and and every time he's running a route, this guy's going. 10 like I, I've never seen a receiver run a route like this but then Fields is still misplacing the ball and he's yeah. laid on reads but there was a particular play and it and it's pretty early on where the Bears force him they force Fields to look right on a bubble screen catch a shotgun pass look right for a bubble screen and then look back left to the key defender on a on a read option and so that's nearly impossible for, for a quarterback to be able to process. Catch the snap because you have to look down to catch the snap and then go right, left, and also key the defender for a read option. And so Fields is like guessing, and, and that was that's when it was eye-opening to me. Like, okay, maybe this coaching staff, this regime, that w- we, we may have given them too much credit just because last year Justin Fields was playing free and loose and, you know, First option's not there. I'm going to take off and run. Yeah. And he was playing, you know, within his own skill set in his in in his true rookie season, and it worked out well. I think we may have just given the coaching staff and the organization a little too much credit. Um, Eberflus and and this they they all looked like polls especially. They all looked like this these cool, calm, collected. They have a plan, and then before the season even started, when it came to you know like the health of players it started to already unravel and you can kind of tell, you can tell with where we're at right now that they've been scrambling behind the scenes for a really long time. They had two months to prepare for week one. They looked like they looked like they opened up the playbook that week. Yeah. That Packers game was very, very disappointing as a bears fan. I mean, like to give up 38 points and the, the way fields played and I had a lot of faith in Ryan Poles, And I think I still do. I think I'm a fan of most of the moves that he's made. Although, coming into the season without upgrading the defensive line aside from a second round pick and the in doc like the jury's out on Yannick and in if I'm saying his name, right? Like he's, and he's a pretty good pass rusher, but he cannot play the run. Like he's just right. like, that's who he is. And every team knows it, which is why he went unsigned for a long time. So um, I, I would like to think that the bears, I mean, they have Carolina's pick, and this is this is why it's so scary in, in dynasty for Justin Fields owner is because this is we know this is a good quarterback class with Drake May and Caleb Williams. And you better believe that the you better throw the Bears in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes because I looked at their schedule and if they they're not beating Tampa Bay and they're not beating Green Bay, who I don't think Green Bay is very good either. I, I mean, Atlanta came back and beat them. Granted, that was on the road. Minnesota doesn't look very good, but I don't the Bears are obviously not very good. I don't see a lot of wins on their schedule and they have Carolina's pick too, by the way. So they have two shots at Caleb Williams, but I'm at the point. So that would, I mean, they'd obviously choose Caleb Williams if they got the number one pick. So you have to think about that too, as a Justin Fields owners, this team is going to have two really high draft picks, probably at least top 10 picks. So they're going to have a choice to make in the NFL draft. And uh, just, I mean, I, I do still believe in Justin Fields talent. I think if, the right coach got his hands on him. I think it could work. I just don't think it's going to work out consistently in Chicago. And that it kind of breaks my heart to say that because I, I, as somebody who on draft night was so excited when they took him and like, I I get it with the processing stuff too, 
but I, I still think he's got enough mobility that he could develop, but may, that, that, that could just be the romantic bears fan side of me talking, because I know there's a lot of people out there that say he can't process. And there's a lot of evidence on film now where it's doesn't look good, Matt. It, it really doesn't. So I'm, yeah, I'm more skeptical, a lot more skeptical today than I was, you know, at, at the beginning of the season. Cause I thought, you know, he was looking good in training camp, beat reporters that normally don't speak very highly of the Bears offense. We're speaking highly of the Bears offense. And it's just it's just very disappointing. So I uh, we'll see what happens. And there's no guarantee. I mean, gosh, do fantasy gamers want the Bears to draft Caleb Williams and ruin Caleb Williams too? I don't know. <laughs> like, like I, I don't know if you can ruin Caleb Williams. I, I know, I, really I know, but if there's a team that could find a way, it would be the Chicago Bears. So, just uh, coaching matters so much. Yeah, and oh, you know, yeah. we saw what happened with Daniel Jones, and no matter what you think of him, you know, Dable has has turned him into into a, a very viable quarterback in in real life football as well as fantasy. The thing that just doesn't get, it just doesn't make sense with me about Justin Fields is how accurate a passer and good of a processor he was in college. And so he showed the the history. Yeah, and Joel, it sounds like it might be a new coaching staff. I would not be surprised at all uh, if Eberflus even made it. I, if Eberflus were fired tomorrow, I wouldn't be super shocked Like with the way things are trending. Not saying he deserves to be fired right now, but it, we're, we're nearing that point. But yeah it, it's you, just it's just weird you know how talented he you know appeared to be in in the advanced metrics and everything um I, I i think if he plays more free he's got to speed up his dropbacks if he can speed up his dropbacks maybe he can get ahead of the reads and maybe that's his issue is he's a half second behind on the dropback so he's a half second behind on the read and he's just not in the right place i don't know but yeah. i really hope he'll figure it out uh you know he's not going to figure it out you know he's done it's alexander madison Ooh, what a position. Because wow. cause Cam Akers is now a Minnesota Viking. I couldn't even get home from work before before this blowing up. And Cam Akers is now a Minnesota Viking. He's gone from Los Angeles. Seth, what do we do? We are we buying Cam Akers this year? Are we buying him long term? How do we how do we break down this this news? Man, it when you look at the deal, it's very reminiscent of the DeAndre Swift trade right before the NFL draft. It's basically just a pick swap. It's basically the Rams saying, uh, yeah, we'll take anything to get this guy, you know, out, out of the door. And gosh, if you picked up Kyron Williams, like, Whew. you know, many people at Player Profiler were telling you to do, I feel really good in a league where I have him, it's a couple leagues, and he is a plug-and-play, I mean, RB2 in fantasy football, maybe even RB1 upside in that Rams offense that's a lot better than we thought it was going to be. But to speak to Cam Akers, I mean, he gets a new life. I mean, if you you were holding on to Cam Akers, you get a second, you got a second life because he's better than Alexander Madison. That that Minnesota offense is going to be in situations year after year, or not year after year, game after game after game where they're in comeback mode. You know, their their defense is not very good. It's perf, it's a perfect landing spot for Cam Akers to prove to us once again that he can be the kind of running back that we thought he was going to be in 2020 when he was drafted like that 2020 class is really kind of disappointing. I mean, you look at it, I mean, injuries with JK Dobbins, Deandre Swift gets traded. Cam Akers now gets traded. JT has been great for one season, had the RB one season, but now it's, 
we're in a weird limbo spot with him. That, that And then, of course, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, right? So uh, I think if you have Cam Akers and you are not a big believer in Cam Akers, like I'm not, I think now's the perfect time to trade him. But if you need a running back, I think it is the perfect landing spot. It's, it is it is about as good as you could have hoped for for Cam Akers. Yeah, I what I think is Minnesota put in a call Friday morning. Friday morning after they lost to Philly, because you know what was particularly noticeable during that game is how horrible of a pass catcher Alexander Madison is. I mean, woof. Yeah, we tried to warn this, you. Player, this we, guy we tried to warn you. Like, he looks Alexander stiff. Madison. Like his arms are like yeah. that of a T Rex. Like he can't extend his elbows past his his chest. And <laughs> you know he's turning before he catches the ball. I mean, he just he, yeah. he felt uncomfortable. You could tell like he was just not enjoying being asked of these extended responsibilities that Dalvin Cook was was used to, and what they were able to you know not have Madison do in his, you know, few spot starts, you know, they don't have the luxury of, of, you know, doing being that predictable week in and week out. So I think they needed somebody who had pass catching upside. I don't think that clearly they didn't think Ty Chandler had that ability. Clearly they didn't think Dwayne McBride had that ability. And clearly they didn't think guys like Fournette or Hunt had enough juice to be worth their penny. So he gets a cheap asset and acres for a pick swap. So there's nothing but upside there from Minnesota. I think as soon as Akers can possibly learn the playbook, they're going to start to try and deploy him. And I think if you can sell low on Alexander Madison, now now is a good time to do it because he just yeah. lost a section. He just got siphoned off a lot of fantasy-relevant opportunity. And if if by some means Cam Akers works his way into that rushing share significantly and even starts taking some goal line carries away, I mean, it, I, we Madison goes from being a borderline top 24 back to a borderline top 48 back like real quickly. And so it's, it's Jover for Alexander Madison. I think now is a great dynasty sell window for, for cam Akers. I personally have exactly one share of him. Uh, and I, cause I, I just, I, I believed, damn it. I believed I used my, <laughs> I used my heart. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to more of me doing that later in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think there's opportunity for cam Akers. I just don't want to be the one who bets on it. I am right there with you. I like this is the this is about as good if you were holding Cam Akers, this is as good as of a situation as you could have hoped for. Because I, I don't know what Minnesota's deal is. I think they're just trying to become this, you, you know, like I keep referencing Matt Madden in this episode. But they feel like the kid in Madden who just wants to collect all the good offensive players and not care at all about their defense, which is great for fantasy because they're in shootouts all the time, but they like there's too much pressure on Kirk Cousins to be perfect. And now he can hand the ball off, not to Alexander Madison. He can hand the ball off to an actual talented running back, at least somewhat, you know, with some juice in uh, Cam Akers. Like, as, even though I'm not a huge fan, I will admit Cam Akers still does have a lot of juice left in the tank. So I, I think now is, I, I would be putting him on the trade block and seeing what you can get for him for sure is what I would do. Um, I, we, we kind of steamed through our time for the headlines, but, but real quick, we'll do this in a couple of minutes. want to recap Monday night football. Does Deshaun Watson stink? My one he might. for Monday night football. Yeah, he might. Um, I, I think you have to hold him. I think it's a very similar situation with Justin Fields. 
Um, I mean, he's only been playing since what week 11 of last year. And he did show us signs toward the end of last season that he was playing good again. And I think it's very, I think it's very similar to Russell Wilson, like Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson played really well toward the end of last year. And now to start this year, I mean, I know Russell Wilson put up like really good fantasy numbers and stuff, but his play was very questionable in that uh, Washington game. And I think you got to hold him. I, I, I mean, he's there's nowhere for him to go. I mean, the Cle- Cleveland's can't move him. They, I mean, they're committed to him for better or for worse. So I think, I mean, now, I mean, uh, now they can't really. I mean, we love Jerome Ford, but Jerome Ford's not Nick Chubb. You know, they can't really rely on the running game as much as they were. You know, so I think I think you got to hold him and hope that better days are ahead for sure but he might we'll see he might actually be bad but i'm i'm hopeful i'm holding him where i have him i don't have much of him but i have i, ha- I think i have a share too i think kevin stefanski's bad and really? let me tell and okay. let me tell you okay. why and i'll be honest monday night one of the first full cleveland browns games i've watched in a very long time <laughs> um elijah moore got eight targets which is really cool but if you if you watched you probably found if and you're if you're Elijah Moore owner like myself because he wasn't catching these targets. Why? Because they're throwing into tight windows on the sidelines. Kevin, look at me, pal. Why are we running? Why are we running targets to Elijah Moore on the boundaries? Get that man into open space. When you traded for him, did we put on the film from his rookie season in the Jets? Did we did we look at how he was used and how he excelled? I don't want to see another third down comeback route, although that one was completed, but (laughs) it's still, it was completed because it was a busted coverage. Like they, the defense let Elijah Moore break off. Right. But why are we running him out wide on third and 10 and running a, a comeback on the sidelines that, that just doesn't, that doesn't make any sense to me. And then fourth and 10 game on the line, Pittsburgh's been sending pressure all day. Pre-snap, you know, it's coming. We draw up a, fade a sideline fade to donovan people's jones that's that's our game plan right that's all he's got he was cooking up nothing like Mm. this man was cooking up overcooked minute rice like i don't even know (laughs) the analogy to put it in but maybe it was just one game but uh, you know when you think about it you know go a little meta baker mayfield struggled in the passing game under stefanski goes to, you know, eventually works his way to a good offense with a good coaching staff in LA, looks pretty good, signs with Tampa, who I think their offensive coordinator's really sharp. If you've been if you've been hearing some of the the pressers and and hearing him talk about, you know, the offense that he's running. He looks pretty damn good in Tampa too. And Deshaun went from, you know, Houston, where, you know, obviously he had the year and a half where he sits out, but I don't know, this game, this this team looks lost without the run. Um, not only in, in, they have the talent and there's no, you know, extended, we're not trying to get extended pockets. We're not trying to get Watson outside of the pocket. I've gone way over my time limit here, but I, I had to rant about Kevin. No, there's Stefanski. no, there's no time limit. I mean, there's only, we, this is like jazz, man. We, we can, you know, ebb and flow and, you know, it's just fine. I, I love, this is, this is good. This is Matt Babich has done his homework this week. I'm loving this. Like Kevin Stefanski, I have to keep a closer eye on Kevin Stefanski. Stefanski because to be perfectly honest with you I uh I really don't care about Kevin Stefanski but now I have to pay attention because uh apparently he's uh 
not the great like Matt Babich is not a fan of his play calling. So yeah, and I'm I'm not gonna sit here and say I'm some sort of film expert, but you know, just watch when you watch the game and you just keep telling yourself like this doesn't look like the best way to utilize your talent. Yeah, it's just you know it's odd. Yeah, I think we've come full circle. Like coaching matters, man. Like coaching is very important, and it's crazy that you know. And the coach is kind of like the person who gets way too much credit when the team wins and then gets blamed way too harshly when the team loses, you know, cause the coach is really, you know, like they come up with the game plan, but the players have to execute. And obviously that the game plan is important, but man, if you have a good coach, Andy Reed, I know Bill Belichick's a little, you know, however you feel about Bill Belichick these days, but he was a really good coach, defensive coach, Kyle Shanahan. I mean, come on, uh, Sean McVay. I mean, with Puka Nakua, I mean, utilizing the talent that you have. I mean, it's so important scheming players open. So I think, I think, you know, if, if we have to, I know, I know Matt Kelly's not the biggest proponent of coaching, you know, and affecting fantasy football, but I think, I think it, I think it does matter. It, yeah, it matters to a degree, you know, mm. um, the, the, the hard part is that, you know, in moments like this, you know, where it's hard to predict Nick Chubb going down, and yeah. thus, you know, the the Cleveland game being more predictable and the passing game suffering from that. So uh, it, it is very important. And it's important when understanding like, you know, a guy like Brian Dable is, is a sharp guy. And, you know, we got to be a little bit more optimistic about guys like Daniel Jones. So you, you got to take it. You got to be careful how much you buy into it. But, yeah, you you definitely need teams to wake up and start giving the fantasy community a shot at running their teams yeah, yeah exactly player, just put player profiler in charge of running the bears can we can we call george mccaskey and and see if we could you know have the pod father be the gm and then we can all work under the pod you know we could and we could have the draft house set up so i mean we we'd have to block out certain stuff because we obviously can't have other teams you know watching our draft board and stuff but I think, you know, we, we, we should make a run at this. Like, you know how some people run for president? We should run for GM of the Bears as a company. You know, that's you bring up an interesting point. So what if what if you had to campaign to become the head coach of an NFL team? The fan yeah. base has to has to de- yeah, democratically the, vote you in. Yeah, and there you can, go. They can also vote to impeach. And that's how midseason coaching coaching fires yeah. happen. Yeah, that would never it'll never happen because of you know ownership and whatnot. And they <laughs> they tend to like to hire the the people. But uh I love the thought. I love the thought. So uh we probably have an ad to run or something, don't we? Or an informative segment. Or where are we at? I don't know. We're even... we're we we could do that. We weren't gonna do it until the Oh next shoot, segment, we still, never mind. We it's we're, fine. We're far away from that. I know. Um, I was that's why I was uh that's why I said well, I went over a time limit. But anyway, if we did run the Chicago Bears, Seth, particularly you would have some strong favorings. I would too, for a certain running back to to end up becoming the starter. So we're gonna kick off us looking back at some of our more controversial, depending on where you stand, takes from the offseason. And we'll lead with Seth, who said that Roshan Johnson, rookie out of Texas, was going to lead the Bears' backfield by week six. He even doubled down on it just a couple weeks ago. So two weeks in, how are we feeling? I wish I would have said sooner, you know? Like, I wish I would have. Yep. (laughs) I mean, I wish. I mean, week six feels like, oh, really, Seth? Uh, Really? Uh, You couldn't have. uh, That's that's not very bold. But I, I remember, okay, at the time, that like 
the the amount of vitriol and just pure like you know people were looking at me like i you know like i i, I don't know like i just robbed a bank or something like i was the the scum of the earth like saying that roshan johnson would you know lead the bears in touches and I'm looking at it right now. I mean, Cleo Herbert rushed the ball seven times. Roshan rushed it four times. It was uh, Roshan had two receptions to Khalil Herbert's one reception. I mean, it's basically a 50-50 split here. I'd have to look at the snap share just to confirm that. But it, and, and when you watch these two players play, I mean, Khalil Herbert's great, but he doesn't do what Roshan does. He's not a pass blocker. He's not as good of a pass catcher. Donta Foreman's like out of the picture now. I mean, he was a healthy inactive in week he, two. So he he's it doesn't like he's lost the battle out of all these three running backs. So he's kind of a non-factor. He's he's dust. He's like, yeah, he's like I mean, the stuff on my fingers. He is he is dust. Well, we and we knew as a as a company, I mean, we uh, we've been on this for a long time. If you've been listening to us and Roshan is just the best, the most talented Bears running back on the roster i mean and he can do it all which is which is rare these days i feel like he can pass protect which is very important for justin fields he can run routes and he can run in between the tackles like he can do it all so we we knew this was gonna happen i said week six i i'm sticking with week six before he fully takes over i think i said either 50 or 60 percent of the touches by week six he's basically at 50 percent right now and i know there are some people that i really respect matt that are looking purely at the numbers, right? And I'm I'm right there with you with the numbers. Numbers are important. Looking at stats is great. But if you watch the film and, and you put Khalil Herbert up against Roshan Johnson and you try to tell me Khalil Herbert's a better running back than Roshan Johnson, you are wrong. You are dead wrong. Roshan's really, really good at football. And I, I don't get on my high horse often. But when I do, I commit and I'm fully committed to Roshan Johnson. You can still get him too in Dynasty. He's going to be the starting running back for the Chicago Bears, not just this year, but for a long time. This is a guy they called a franchise pillar on draft night. Now, granted, they traded back. They traded back to draft a franchise pillar, which I don't know, whatever. Uh, the optics of that are kind of weird. So, yes. And Joel says, Joel's saying it in the chat, my assistant editor. If, you're, if you don't know who Joel Yabara is, you should go look him up at MetaF. FFB or something on Twitter. Yeah. yeah Did I get it. it right? I'm sorry, Joel, if I got that wrong. So go give him a follow on Twitter. Write some really good articles too. Yeah. He's basically even with Herbert who looked really good last year. Um, and people were trying to tell me he was better than David Montgomery, which. Hmm. Mm, okay. Um, anyway. So, okay, good. I got, I got his Twitter handle, right. But what, uh, yeah, I'm sticking with that one, Matt. And I wish I would have said, uh, you know, week three or four. Yeah, you absolutely should stick with that one. And, you know, I'll never forget the the mock draft live. The first one I decided to to hop in with and, and draft with you guys. This was pre-landing spot. And this is this is this was purely how I looked at the rookie running back class coming in to the draft. I took Roshan Johnson over Zach Charbonnet and Jack Cavanaugh laughed at me. He looked, <laughs> he virtually looked me in my eyes and laughed at me. Well, who's laughing now, Jack? That's right. The the Jack would and he took he kept taking the 101 too, if I remember right. <laughs> he kept um, taking the B shot on 101. <laughs> it's not my fault. If it's not my fault if you guys don't take the 101. It's like, well, come on, Jack. Um, anyway. Uh okay, so 
Yes, I'm just seeing this now. All right, Matt, you said that James Cook was going to have a breakout season. How are you feeling about that two weeks then? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to take my lap on that one. Um, Really? You're going to you're going to take your lap? Yeah, I'm gonna take my lap because oh, your victory lap. Not I. I was oh thinking, yeah, yeah, my victory. Okay, lap, my yeah, lap. I was gonna say like we victory. Got, like we got vict- the we got the V's up. That was yeah, good. good. I was like, I, for some funny. reason, I was thinking you were gonna take a lap, like you got punished. You know, like take a lap, you missed a block or something. No, like, no, no but yeah. I didn't. I totally, I totally missed uh, on the victory lap. Yeah, we're no, taking the victory lap. So and you should, he's, and you he's should. RB nine in fantasy points per yep. game through two weeks with zero touchdowns. So. My thesis all along, right, was look, they they look he want they want him to be their main playmaker. And even if he's getting, you know, a minority in the rush share, he's gonna be actively involved in the passing game. And so when I laid out the case for James Cook, and you have multiple podcasts where you can go back and look at this, uh, I think the one where I laid it out probably the most cleanly was uh on the game plan with Maddie Kiwum. If you've never seen that show, go check it out on the player profile of YouTube. Uh very quality content from Maddie Kiwum. Uh but the median case for James Cook, right, was he has like a 40% rush share and, you know, like a 10 to 12% target share. And he comes away with, you know, barely eclipsing 200 touches. And even then, with just some standard production and standard efficiency, he was going to break his RB30 threshold that he was set at on underdog at the current time. We hadn't seen any reports on Damian Harris. And quite frankly, we undersold how important it was that Latavius Murray was signed. This is a back who has been productive as a breather and a temporary starter everywhere he goes. And without Damian Harris reporting to camp healthy yet, they went out and signed Latavius Murray, a very similar archetype. And look what's happening now. They're both cannibalizing the RB2 share in Buffalo. In fact, Latavius Murray has never been outtouched nor outsnapped by Damian Harris this season. They both have a one-yard touchdown. Cool. Congrats. Not worried about it. Because after the Zeke signing, Ramondre Stevenson and James Cook in terms of opportunity profile were much more close, much closer than anybody in the fantasy community, even myself, wanted to admit. So 13 point or 13% target share through two games. And he yeah, he's he's near the top 12 in most rest of season rankings. He's 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 the guy. And, you know, I, I, I'm very happy with this take. This was, I got a lot of pushback at multiple points same, saying Damian Harris was good. Uh, James Cook won't be the rushing leader in the offense, which he is by a vast margin right now. And, you know, I, I, I planted my flag. I, I kept it there and I, I'm definitely going to be retweeting a lot of old content as, as the season goes along on James Cook. No, that, I think, yeah, I think, you nailed that. I think the only concern is the red zone work. It seems like they're giving Latavius Murray a lot of that, but honestly, he's catching up passes. You mentioned the target share. It really feels like James Cook is on the cusp of just, if not, if he isn't breaking out right now, which you said he's RB9, so you could even say that that's a breakout um, in a really good offense with the Bills. I mean, you nailed that one, my friend. Yeah, so now we're going to go into some maybe maybe a little bit more questionable ones. Uh, this one's a little bit tough because one of the players hasn't even suited up yet in 2023, but the other had a big breakout game. So Seth, you said that Marvin Mims was going to outscore Christian Watson in fantasy points per game in 2023. Marvin Mims with two huge plays on offense for Denver 
and even a long punt return, which didn't really count for fantasy, but it's nice to see the dynamism and the activity and the, in the special teams. So how do we feel about this take two weeks in? Well, we'll see. I mean, is Christian Watson going to play this year? I mean, is he going to practice today? He's coming back. All right. So we're going to finally going to see him, huh? We're finally going to see him. Uh, I remember injuries were a problem last year for Christian Watson. So I hope he's fully healthy. I hope he doesn't, you know, I want to, because I want to be right about this. All right. I don't want it to be like an Aaron Rodgers situation here. Okay. I don't, I want him to be healthy. I don't wish injury upon anybody, not even Aaron Rodgers. Okay. So I have a two game head start right now. Marvin Mims has only gotten four targets this year. So we're going to, our targets usage is going to have to go up or, you know, he's, and he did, but, but the thing is though, the Denver offense, you, you look at the pieces of it. I mean, Cortland Sutton is not a burner. Jerry Judy is not a, like they kind of need Marvin Mims. They kind of do. So he's, I think he's going to be on the field quite a bit. And I think I really have a shot at this. We'll see how Green Bay utilizes Christian Watson. My guess is he's going to be the first read on a lot of plays. So I'm up against it. I will admit that we will see, but do you remember what I almost this I kind of backed off my initial position or no I, I didn't back off my initial position I thought about saying that Christian Watson wouldn't lead his own team in fantasy points you'd you'd yep you'd I almost that thought I almost I almost did that and now I kind of wish I would have gone that route instead to be honest I mean we'll see what how they they utilize the receivers once you know once he comes back but Jaden Reed is off to a hot start too so I mean, if you stuck with player profiler, I mean, you probably have Marvin Mims on your dynasty team. You probably have Jaden Reed on your dynasty team. You have Roshan on your, I mean, think of all the hits like in round three in, in your dynasty drafts, late round two, round three that look to be at least right now, really, really solid con- contributors for you for a while. I mean, they look like they're set up great talent. So I got a shot at this Marvin Mims. I'm sticking with it. Okay. I'm sticking with it. I'm not admitting defeat yet because I, I still do think that there's a chance that Jaden Reed also. We'll see. We'll see. I, I really I'm interested in this week three game if Christian Watson plays. We'll see how he's utilized. But I think I got a shot, man. I think I got a shot. You you said it there at the very end. It's how he's utilized. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I still don't think you got a shot at this. Okay. Now, 103 yard t- in a touchdown game. Yep, that's that's certainly going to help you. But two catches. So that's a 19 point performance. Uh, mm-hmm. That's you know that's in Christian Watson's wheelhouse to do weekly. So yeah, it's this is an interesting angle because we haven't seen any of Christian Watson, but we, who we have seen is Jordan Love. And surprise, not in the show sheet, but I'm gonna hit you with it anyway. You said that Jordan Love was a bust and that the Packers were gonna play all slow. Well, Love is on pace for like 430, 440 pass attempts, which isn't, you know, top of the league, but it's certainly not the the sluggish offense that you were kind of envisioning. He's he's thrown 52 passes in two games. I think that adds I think I'm pretty sure that math adds up. I mean, I mean, he's QB 420 if 25 times 17 is 425. So like I mean, that, he, he has thrown The six, math is is right there. Yeah. Six touchdowns, zero picks. I guess that's that's pretty he, good. He three hundred. Am I reading the these? Rating. Am I reading these stats right? Well, let me read you some stats that are right. Three hundred ninety-six passing yards in two games. Let me read. Anyway, sorry, me, I'm I'm stepping all over stats. your point. I, I I'll back off. 
Well, part of my point in the, in game number two is, you know, they didn't have Aaron Jones. They don't have their, their top playmaker on the outside and Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, who I do think is incredibly talented. They're using him in a, in a slot only role right now. So he doesn't have the route tree to just burn, you know, Atlanta up and down the field. Christian Watson does Romeo dubs does not. So without Watson on the field, just takes away that vertical presence makes it tough for Jordan love to extend the field. Aaron Jones, not having him in the game makes him a little bit more predictable on offense. Uh, one less weapon in the receiving game. You know, the linebacker has to worry about, you know, Aaron Jones. I don't know what that, that look is that you're giving your computer as you Google something, but I'm, the, I, the thing I, about I, the I, thing, I just, the thing about Jordan love is that mm-hmm. he is exactly who I said that he needed to be for Christian Watson to be that guy. He needs to be a league average quarterback. And right now he is showing that he is at least that he leads the, he is second in EPA per play uh, in early and late down situations. He's also near last in completion percentage over expectation. So layman's terms, he's doing what he needs to do. He's putting the ball in his playmaker's hands. He's not turning the ball over. He's scoring touchdowns, but he's not necessarily performing at this ultra elite level where we got to say, wow, we got to respect Jordan love and Seth, you know, you, you mentioned it with some of the box score stats, right? This isn't going to be the highest octane offense. It's going to be, you know, near league average when they're at full strength, but Marvin Mims is in the middle of a very unconsolidated target share in Denver where Sutton is the clear leader. And if Sutton's going to lead the target share at 21%, Judy's going to come behind at about 18%. And then we look at the target distribution outside of Sutton and Judy. Samaj P. Ryan, four targets. Javante Williams, three targets. Uh, Brandon Johnson, is that his first name? Three targets. Mm-hmm. Uh, so more targets than Marvin Mims. Little Jordan Humphrey, two targets. Marvin Mims, two targets. So it's just, there, there's a lot going on in Denver. I do think Marvin Mims is going to break out, and he's going to break out hard at some point this season. I just don't know if the if the target volume is going to be there, we're talking about a third option who can fight to be a second option versus a number one option on the team. And it's still just, in my opinion, you know, a bad bet. Uh, The odds, if you were to, you know, put it on, it's a bold take for a reason. If you were to, you know, put a sports book odds on it, I think Mims odds would probably be around like plus five fifty, plus six fifty. He's he's a long shot, but I think the, the thesis of your, you know, your play is that Watson is, is overrated and Marvin Mims is a, is a serious talent, which is a, is a take that needs to be respected. You know, the, we still haven't seen consistent play from Watson. He's got to go out there and prove it. And and Marvin Mims is a dog. So I'm on board. I mean, I'm not on board, but you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to rag you too much for it. Now, if Watson were, you know, valued at the same place where Marvin Mims was, I mean, I'd be fine. I mean, maybe a little bit ahead. I just, my point was, you know, Christian Watson was just, Oh man, like round three, round four in a redraft. Ugh. Anyway, mm. uh, I don't maybe, know. About that. Maybe. I mean, I don't know about that. I don't know. We'll see Ed. We'll see. I, 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 I still think if there were rumors, you remember me mentioning that there were rumors, Judy Sutton, I think mostly like Sutton could have been, was on the trade block before the draft. So we'll see. I something this Denver team is weird. So we'll yeah. We'll see I know it. he's not fully healthy, but still, it's just I don't know. It's just bad vibes. It's yeah. It, 
I think some shaking up, like I think they're going to shake up that roster before the trade. I have a feeling, and that might help out Marvin Mims. They're already the- saying they're not getting the play call in fast enough, and then there's there's weird things going on in Denver. Yeah. All right. So what's your next one here? Oh it's, no. It's oh, a bad one. No. Oh no. Um. So Matt drafted Justin Fields over Lamar Jackson and Trevor Lawrence, and I'll I'll be the fir- I'll stand in this corner with you. Um that I was in full support of this pick uh, when you met, when you made it, it was bold, but um, in a super flex dynasty startup that we did on the, for the dynasty roundtable, uh, Matt took Justin Fields over Lamar Jackson and Trevor Lawrence. And that doesn't look, that doesn't look good. <laughs> it doesn't right look now. good right it now. Look does good. It? it doesn't look good. <laughs> no, uh, unfortunately, I mean, I, 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 I don't, I have no words. I mean, we talked about it at the open of the show. I have no words for this Bears offense. I mean, the offense. I mean, if you would have told me the offensive coordinators fired two weeks in that that's got to be a record. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, he's hasn't been even been with the team for. I mean, just a full se- like they they run a, the same play three times in a row in a critical situation. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. I I have no words for it. So I didn't necessarily think that that was going to happen. And I thought Justin Fields would be, you know, better set up with DJ Moore and an improved offensive line. By the way, Braxton Jones went on IR today, or I think yesterday or at some point with a neck injury. And that's not great because he was their left starting left tackle. So to make to, you know, pour salt in the wound, the wound there. Uh, So Matt, are you taking the L on that pick? Probably. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely ready to take the L on that pick. And, you know, the thesis of the of the play there was, look, this was a guy who was a, a top five, you know, top one through a, diff- through a certain stretch quarterback in terms of fantasy points per game. And, and I expected, you know, the offense to take a step forward where, you know, there'd be some designed runs, but, you know, a little less free form. Um, you know, I expected fields to to progress as a passer and look i did my research and i'm never going to do something super like that outlandish unless like without evaluating my options and looking so like there were people who were (laughs) there were people who were who were kind of on my side there in terms of being being bullish on justin fields in in dynasty super flex startups and you were on my side and Mm -hmm. uh you know I've said it once. I'll say it a thousand times, you know, to me, fantasy football, I want to win, but it is that, you know, a game and I just can't help myself. I just, I, every time I say, especially with dynasty startups, I say, look, you gotta be less risk averse. You gotta be willing to just take what's there. And, and every time I'm like, but like fields, you know, like 25, <laughs> 25 fantasy points per game, DJ Moore. I know it should have been. It should have been. And I let my mind run because at, at my core, I'm still just a stupid pea brain football fan. And I let, I let that side of me take over a lot because it, (laughs) yeah, go for it. Cause it's, cause it's fun. And you know, I, when I, when I, when I put together a roster, it's not like I don't like Trevor Lawrence and I don't like Lamar Jackson, but when I, when I put together a roster, I truly want to go out there and root for that team when I watch it every week. And you know, Justin Fields is a guy who's electric and I, I I wanted to be, you know, a part of that. So I am willing to, <laughs> this is, this is actually true. He did tell me he would trade Herbert from Fields straight up before the year. And I, <laughs> I was not going to do that because wow, 
full transparency, dad, I was not going to do that to you because we'd be, <laughs> we'd be sitting here and I'd be saying I shipped off fields. And then he'd be in the comments saying, you know, you, you swindled your own father. Mm-hmm. And then that's a real lose lose for me. So, but you know what? I, I looked on, I looked on a little app called the dynasty dominator app. And had I listened to the advice that the Dynasty Dominator app gave to me, I probably wouldn't have taken Fields. I would have taken Lamar Jackson. So don't listen to me. Listen to to Matt Kelly to tell you more about the Dynasty Dominator app. Now, I know many of you are looking for a secret weapon for your Dynasty League, and I have it. It's called the Dynasty Dominator app. You go to the App Store, go to Google Play. It's right there. It's $5 to download, and then every year it's $5 to load the next incoming class of rookies. You can add Superflex, add tight end premium. It's incredible because it allows you to look up players. It allows you to vote on whether a player is a buy, hold, or sell, and then see the market sentiment on that player, and you can compare their lifetime value rating from Player Profiler to their Dynasty ADP at the FFPC, all in the price lookup tool. And beyond that, we have a trade analyzer, so you'll never lose another Dynasty trade again. And in our settings, you can set, this is a win now team, this is a rebuilding team, and then we let you compare players. Look at their metrics side by side, prospect metrics, NFL metrics. It's all there. It's five bucks in the app store. There's some add-ons for super flex and to buy the upcoming rookie class. Every year, you're going to spend $5 on this thing, and it's going to be well worth it. It really is well worth it. You know, we we try and fight the battle of sounding, you know, like we're you know just constantly plugging our own products, but but we eat at our own kitchen, and and, you know, the takes that we give, you know, are because of the insights that we're able to gather through the tools of player profiler said it best right here. All in package is the best way to dominate your leagues. Jamie's been using it for years. It's how champions are built. And we do love in season dynasty content. You will be hard pressed to find better, better dynasty content, but Seth, let's give credit where credit is due. The Sonic truth dynasty podcast not the Sign of Truth Dynasty Focus podcast, as Alan Sislowski likes to say. It's the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast returns on Friday. Theo Greminger, Alan Sislowski of RotorWire, and Matt, the podfather Kelly, bring you the best Dynasty content in the fantasy football landscape. Returns this Friday. Do not miss it. Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast here on the Player Profiler YouTube channel. Seth. Hmm. It's time before we close out the show. There are way too many rookies to to do in depth, so maybe we can just steam through as as many as we can here. We're gonna do a little rookie temperature check. Two weeks in, mm-hmm. how do we feel about these rookies? Let's start with receivers. Excuse me, and go with JSN. You know, I I don't. I mean, look at it. He's gotten eleven targets. He's on pace for about what ninety ninety five. If you extrapolate that out. So that's about where we thought he would be. Um, I, I think we were a little bullish thinking that he would, I mean, some people thought he would overtake Tyler Lockett and, you know, DK Metcalf. And I, I think maybe in hindsight, you know, if we could have a redo, we, we might say, well, you know, he is going to be the third option. He's going to be the third option on a really good offense in Seattle. I mean, it's going to be great. Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be great. I just don't know if it's going to be this year. I because you're you're because right now you're kind of 
borderline ah do i start him do i not like it's so tempting but i i you probably have better options honestly i have him in a league i don't think i've started him once you know in, in, in either week um i love the talent i still think he's going to be the best wide receiver in this class and that's i know zay flowers is great so i that's how much i believe in jackson smith and jigba i will be feeling out some offers for JSN and Jameer Gibbs both. Cause I'm like, cause those are two players that you look at their usage and fantasy gamers are probably disappointed by it, but we probably should have known. We probably should have seen this coming for JSN. That's kind of where I'm at. So I am buying in dynasty a hundred, 110% because Jackson Smith and Jigba is a fantastic football player. So I have no worries going forward, but for this year, it might be hit or miss. I mean, he's he's probably going to have a few few good games that get us excited, uh, but now's a I think a buy window for him for sure. Yeah, absolutely. This is probably the best case scenario for anyone who wasn't able to draft or trade for Jackson Smith and Jigba in the offseason. This is the perfect buy window, and and yeah, he's the wide receiver three, and probably will be for the whole year here in Seattle. But he is still the wide receiver three on a very pass heavy offense. So five Fine targets, entry. five yeah. targets, and six targets. So. He, he already has a sustainable role. The only issue, though, is do you know where he ranks in terms of average depth of target among the oh, receivers? Oh, so low. Is it dead last? Oh my God. If I it's it not low. dead last, I promise it's like next to last, but it is, yeah. it is near the bottom of the barrel. So his usage so far has been frightening. And, you know, we know that that can't necessarily last or it shouldn't last because we saw what he did in the preseason. And we know he's, he's not incapable of running downfield routes. He has probably one of the most pro ready route trees coming into the league that, that we've seen in a long time. So this is a talented guy. You know, Ray G said it best on, on Theo Greminger's press coverage earlier today. We just, we jumped the gun on thinking that Jackson Smith and Jigbo was going to push out either of Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf right away, especially with Geno Smith and the connection that he was able to develop that with them over the course of more than a full season. So Smith had Geno Smith has, you know, like a season and a half of experience with those two players, you know, he was not going to just start heavily targeting this rookie, but long, yeah, long-term we're in, there might be a redraft by window, but it's just tough where he's at right now. You got to bet on upside and the owner who drafted him is likely not dropping him or you know, they're holding on to him for the same reasons that you're trading for him. So it's going to be tough to get a deal done, but you know, sky's the limit for this kid still uh, an, another receiver down the list who's not struggling to get targets early on is zay flowers <laughs> zay flowers yeah. i'll start this i'll kick this one off zay flowers is that dude yep and if you ranked him ahead of jackson smith and jigba in your receiver rankings i don't think right now anyone can refute you there and even if jsn i i no matter what happens with jsn if you ranked zay flowers as receiver one in your rankings i think I, I think you can stand by that because he's electric. He fits so well in this in this offense in this scheme. Todd Monken when when they got a hold of Flowers, there he was probably just ecstatic cuz you could tell how well he fits and they they're clearly already forming a game plan for his talents. He's already being used in the rushing game. So as his talents develop and as he gets more comfortable in this offense, it's only his usage is only going to get better. And he's a buy high for me right now. Redraft dynasty. I don't care where his value is. I truly think we're, we're still at, you know, the, the 
the rising action, if we were going to put it in terms of a storybook. He has not reached the climax yet. He, he's still in the rising action. His value is going up. So I'm all in on safe flowers. What do you think? Couldn't have said it better myself. If we extrapolate out his targets for the whole year and his usage right now, it's 128 targets in this offense. I know he played a game without Mark Andrews, but that's crazy usage for a rookie. That exceeds anybody's wild, wildest expectations for what Zay Flowers was going to be in week in year one with Rashad Bateman there. They sign Odell. I mean, he's he's the best receiver on the team, minus Mark Andrews. I mean, already. I mean, I and and you you saw it. We saw it in preseason training camp. He's a buy high, a hundred percent. This he's going to be so good on your fantasy team for a long, long time. So Zay Flowers. Yeah, I am. I am all in on Zay Flowers. This rookie class is really looking, shaping up very nicely because I'm looking at this list and I don't really have any, really anything bad to say. I think about most yeah. of these players, you know, especially in the receivers department. And like, I, yeah. Puka Nakua is not on the list. I mean, everyone in the world's talking about him, and mm-hmm. you know, at this point, it's a known, it's a known commodity. He is the real deal. Um, you know, you just don't earn that much targets in your, in your first couple of games. So we don't even need to rehash that, but I am interested, you know, what you think about Jordan Addison. He's somebody who's flashed, but really only on two big plays all season. So where do we stand with Jordan Addison currently? I'm, I'm, I'm good with Addison. I'm not as big of a fan. Um, if, if I had to rank these receivers, I mean, it's close, but I I'd go JSN, Zay Flowers and then Addison as as number three. Um, you're right in this offense in Minnesota. He should be getting he will get more opportunities, I think. But clearly, I mean, he's kind of in the same boat as JSN, really. I mean, the top two pass catchers are obviously Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson, right? And then you throw in KJ Osborne in there, who's gonna get some time too. And now you they have Cam Akers and they just have so many weapons now in this offense. I like Addison, but I I do think it's JSN and Zay Flowers at the top, and then it's a little bit down to Jordan Addison. Now, it's nothing against Jordan Addison. I'm just very very high on Jackson Smith and Jigba and Zay Flowers, and he's very he's very much in a he's in a good situation, but it's very similar to the the situation JSN's in right now. So. It's it's going to be hit or miss. He's going to have some weeks. He's going to have some moments. But I mean, this is probably a year two thing when he and 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 I I think somebody made a great point is like there's a world where I mean Zay Flowers is already doing it. He's already the best receiver on the team. Like Jordan Addison's never going to eclipse Justin Jefferson like as the wide receiver one. Like he's going to be the wide receiver two on that team. Best case scenario, right? JSN likely same story. Although they're you know. There's a world where he gets more targets than DK Metcalf. I think that's possible in year two and three, potentially. So that's kind of where I'm at on Addison. I don't hate him, but I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily all in on him. And he's never going to out-target Justin Jefferson. And we know Justin Jefferson's going to be there for a long, long time. Yeah, I, I think the cool thing about all three of these receivers is that we're already talking about them you know, with, as being these incredible talents we really have not seen the full potential of any of the three of them yet. And that's, what's really awesome. Now you, you, you make the correct point about Addison where it's just going to be tough for him to carve out that fantasy relevant role each week. And it's going to be borderline harder than JSN because of how tight that target distribution is between TJ Hawkinson and, and Justin Jefferson. And 
we look at the game log from Minnesota, Philadelphia, Thursday night football, Jordan Addison did have five targets, but he was fourth on the team. I'm sorry, fifth on the team. It went Jefferson, Hawkinson, Osborne, and Madison at six, and then Jordan Addison. So he's fifth on the team in targets, and he's got an upward path ahead of him. I think he, you know, within the next few weeks, probably surpasses KJ Osborne for the third role. But KJ Osborne is talented, and he's not just going to go away. So, you know, long term, I don't know if I've I've necessarily seen enough. I definitely haven't seen enough to be certain, but I know I've seen enough to have Zay Flowers over Addison for the foreseeable future. But I think the the floor and ceiling of all three of these receivers is is so high. They're all studs. And if you know the struggles of Addison to get you know significant opportunity in the offense is gonna drive down his price, absolutely gonna buy. Because at the end of the day, you know, he's an, he's an incredible talent who's going to be, you know, relevant in this passing offense. So I'm willing to buy there. Uh, we already talked about Marvin Mims, so we won't touch on him much. Uh, Jaden Reed, we kind of touched on. We're both, we're both in on Jaden Reed, both in redraft and dynasty. So no surprises there. Uh, going to RBs, we're in on Roshan. We've made our points clear there. Are we, we freaking out over bench guys like Charbonnet and A-Chain not really getting any touches? I have Kendra Miller on the list as well, but he's been injured and, and and not in the lineup. He'll he'll get his shot this week. But how do we feel about some of these running backs we haven't even really seen yet? Well, I I don't have much Charbonnet. I, I was never big on Zach Charbonnet, so I'm I mean honestly I I'd be open to trading him. I I just don't see it with Zach Charbonnet, and I think as long as Kenneth Walker's there, he's going to be a handcuff at best. I know I know. He's a pass catcher, but he doesn't look like a fluid pass catcher to me when I watch him play. It just, I don't know. I, I don't see it with Zach Charbonnet, so I've, I've never been in on, on him. I am interested in Kendra Miller. I think that there is an opportunity this week with Alvin Kamara, still not ready. I mean, he's still serving a suspension. Jamal Williams is dealing with an injury. I mean, it's really between him and Tony Jones this week. So it's going to be interesting to see how they use Kendra Miller if they do this week. I'm very interested in, in watching that, just like I'm interested in seeing, you know, the Christian Watson usage. I got my eyes on what some of these things, you know, but I'm, yeah. I'm still very much in on Kendra Miller because it's an injury. Now, A-Chain is a different story. Like A-Chain, we knew he was undersized. We knew he was electric, an electric pass catcher. But I was never really fully in on Devon A Chain either, so I'm I'm very worried. I'm I'm almost completely out on Charbonnet. I'm getting close to being out on A Chain. I, I still want to give it some time to see exactly how they use him because they did draft him really high. So we'll we'll see what happens and if they have a plan for using him. I mean, we know that Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert aren't aren't they aren't necessarily the perfect image of health so there could be an opportunity for that for him there um but i am still very much in on kendry miller he's my favorite out of those three yeah charbonnet i i don't know two a two minute timer will do this to you and like just looking at fantasy rankings but like i panic picked in my home league and i have sharp <laughs> i have charbonnet on one roster and like now i'm just sitting like okay now i just know if i drop him to pick up somebody on the waiver wire Someone's going to someone with less injuries is going to stash him and he's going to end up getting a role, whether it's through injury or whatever. So like, I, I don't know what I'm doing there. I, I don't love, I mean, 
it seems like it's over year one, unless Kenneth Walker has to go down. And it seems like even then DJ Dallas is going to be involved in this offense. Uh, it's just, it's not looking good for Charbonnet, albeit he did get more involved last game, especially with in, in the passing game. So, you know, maybe this is a situation where, you know, the coaching staff, they, they truly did love Kenneth Walker and they weren't going to, you know, force a guy who's not necessarily, you know, ready to, to take all these touches in. I, I don't know. A-Chain not getting, you know, beating out Salvan, Salvan Ahmed after being, mm-hmm. you know, fully healthy is is shocking. Yeah, that um, is that is bad. Yeah, it's it's certainly not a good signal. Uh, my takeaway from that is if if Jeff Wilson comes back, you know, in the, before a chain has a few weeks to maybe figure it out, it's it's over in week in, in year one for Devon a chain. Uh, if and then, you know, at that point, if he doesn't flash it all year one third round draft capital for a competing team is not necessarily that expensive. So they'll run it back and just draft somebody else. So, and then with this, with this upcoming year's draft class at running back with it being a weaker class, I could see some really talented guys slipping to the second and third round. And, you know, Miami could be looking forward to next year already with Kendra Miller. I'm excited to see what he's got. My only issue is that it's tough for me to see this being a Kendra Miller week. He comes off this, this meniscus tear, I believe it was in his knee. And then, or maybe it was an MCL tear. It was something, you know, something at his knee. Comes back, hamstring issue, comes back from that, knee sprain, comes back from that, hamstring issue. And so a lot of these injuries that happen, I'm, for, I'm blanking on the phrase, I'll call it a compound injury because it happens, you know, after you recover from one injury and you're not quite there or you're not quite trusting that, that leg and you over, you know, compensate, you get hurt from that. It's not good that Kendra Miller has been fighting all off season in his rookie off season through uh, lower leg injuries. So it's, it just doesn't look good coming back from a hamstring and a knee sprain. Tony Jones was, was fine. This is an offense who is willing to lean on Derek Carr in the passing game. So I don't see them necessarily forcing Kendra Miller into, you know, long down and distance situations, two minute drill goal line. I don't see them deploying him in all of these facets, it's probably going to be, you know, much more Tony Jones than we want. So realistically speaking, I just, I, I think we might be jumping the gun on, on Kendra Miller out of excitement, but willing to be wrong there. Uh, I think Alvin Kamara is a top 15 back when, when healthy. So I don't think he's going to, Miller's going to be a huge producer, but not totally out. Um, and I'll close real quick with a couple quarterbacks. Yeah, what do we think of these quarterbacks here? Um, you got Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson. I mean, my initial takeaways was I'm surprised mostly by what we're seeing from CJ Stroud. I mean, CJ Stroud actually had himself a pretty good game in week two. Granted, it was against a not the greatest defense in, in Indianapolis, but still they're letting him sling the, the rock around. I think over 380 passing yards, which I think is something Justin Fields hasn't done yet. Um, but Anyway, a lot better so far than I thought. And Anthony Richardson, man, I mean, he looks legit. Like he looks, if you drafted him in the second round of a startup or maybe even the back end of the first round, I mean, he looks justified being there. And he looks like, you know, this time next year, or I mean, if we do dynasty startups in in the summer, in the spring, he's going to be in the conversation with, you know, the Lamar Jacksons, the Joe Burrows. I mean, he's, 
he's going to be there if he keeps this up. So, yeah, uh, a rich was super flex one one all along. I, I drafted him that way in, I believe I was one Oh two, but I still got Richardson. He was my one Oh one. I was trying to trade up to the first pick to just make sure I secured him. But yeah, I mean, he's sometimes I don't know what it is. And sometimes you're right on this and sometimes you're wrong. But when you just watch Richardson, his poise and the way he delivered the ball, you knew it wasn't perfect, but I just had that feeling like he's going to figure it out. Like this kid just has it. He wasn't throwing to anybody spectacular at Florida. So it's, you have to sometimes just not rely on these college, you know, box score metrics too much. These completion percentages, but he definitely put all those, those concerns to rest. Uh, hopefully he, you know, takes his time, heals from from that concussion. He's going to be great when he comes back. Gardner Minshew is a, continues to be a starting level quarterback and is going to, you know, lead the Colts pretty well until he until he returns. C.J. Stroud, yeah, he he's a surgeon. He's just pinpointing all over the field. He's dotting them up. Nico Collins, way to just completely prove me wrong there. I don't take any pride in that because he's a, he not only is he someone who I've been out on his entire career, but he went to Michigan and and I just you know I I hate most people that, that go to Michigan. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's the that's the Purdue and me. But CJ Stroud is I, I mean he, he is who we thought he was in terms of his passing capabilities, and I think the biggest surprise to me is just the competency of the Houston offense. And they think this circles back to everything. It's coaching. D'Amico Ryans is, is a coach. He's a leader of men. They, they are surprisingly a somewhat centered and organized organization right now. And they looked apart when they step out there. Look, they lost by 11 at home to Indianapolis, but and they're 0-2. But I think through two weeks, this is a much – Texans offense in particular, passing offense in, in particular – looks much better than we thought it was going to. And a lot of it is because of Stroud, but clearly the people in the front office in Houston have their shit together. Yeah, except for, you know, giving up their first round pick next yeah, year. Yeah, that was that was ridiculous. But like yeah. in, in terms of in they terms got, of how they're utilizing the people that they do have in the building on offense, they're doing a really good job of it. They're not forcing the issue on Damian Pierce running. They know that's no good because Damian Pierce stinks. Mm. And you know, they're rolling out Robert Woods and they're making Robert Woods look good. Yeah. Robert Woods, Nico Collins, Tank Dell. No, Tank Dell. Ooh, looks good, don't he? He looks great. Nathaniel Dell. From he looks the great. Of Houston. I think that's, I think I want that to be the breakout game, but the Indy has been so bad against like second and third options to start this season. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how that continues, but. I would I would like to believe that is this is going to be a really consolidated target share between Collins, Woods, Dell, and Schultz, and we we might hit a point where three out of the four of them are weekly fantasy starters. Yeah, in deeper leagues, but but still. Yeah, and the tight ends too in this class. I mean, Laporta looks pretty good. Uh, we haven't seen much from Michael Mayer yet, but Musgrave led all of tight all tight ends in air yards in week one. So. We'll see. I mean, it's it looks it's looking like a pretty good class. All the, and Kincaid is also getting on the field, although he's getting on the field in those two tight end sets. Um, but he's getting the targets that we want him to get. I mean, I, I think it's only a matter of time. I think he's too good of a player, and they took him, you know, too high to not use him. So I think Kincaid will be just fine. Uh, anyway, so w- w- what are your thoughts on the tight ends? I know I threw that out there real quick. 
No, no, no. You're good. Uh, I think I think Laporta is is the real deal. He he's clearly a target earner. He's going to be a guy who's going to have like next season. I'm not going to be shocked at all when Laporta has a way too high, like a Cole Komet touchdown season, just overproductive across the board. But he's just he's going to be that guy who's always on the field because he's a blocker and he's super athletic and just another win for for Iowa there in that department. Musgrave, we need to see more out of, but I, I think the promise is there. Tight end is not a position we expect these guys to come in and, and light up the field early on. It's just, it's too difficult. So what Musgrave has been doing early on is very promising. I, I'm pretty much even on where I was with him on the offseason. Uh, Kincaid, again, it's, again, with Kincaid, there's just a an unconsolidated target share behind Diggs for the number two. It's just a lot going around. So I, mm. I don't know if that's ever going to tighten up. Dawson Knox is going to be staying on the field. So it's going to be tough for Kincaid, but you know, long-term still, still love him. Um, Sam Laporta or Kyle Pitts in dynasty. I think this is easily Laporta at this point. Really? I know, I know Jason Allwine has been like the biggest proponent for Kyle Pitts. I do not have a Kyle Pitts. I have never thought about drafting Kyle Pitts at his cost. We have to accept the Falcons offense for, they told us all off season what they wanted to do. Arthur Smith went out and got back Jonu Smith who he had he had worked with in Tennessee, and John who is a pure pass catcher. He's not a blocker. When when the Pats did their whole Hunter Henry John who Smith thing, they did Henry's our inline guy, and Smith is the guy we're just going to move around the offense. So Atlanta hired like or went out and got a pure pass catching tight end, drafted Bijan in the top ten, couldn't sustain Drake London in in targets, still can't. So it's just I don't know. I never bought. I don't necessarily buy that that Kyle Pitts isn't talented. If he goes to another team, sure. But as of right now, uh, Pitts has done nothing. There's no reason. I've I've lost this battle over and over and over again where I hold on a player for too long. And am I going to mess up that way again? Absolutely. I'm not going to make the mistake with Kyle Pitts. It's it's just evident. You you have to make him someone else's problem. I threw I threw the question up there because I I thought it was interesting and I'm surprised, but it, it, it all goes back to, I mean, didn't they draft Kyle Pitts over Jamar chase? I mean, no. or was that, no. am I mixing up drafts there? No, four and eight. If, if chase was four, but Pitts was eight. Hmm. Okay. Or Pitts was four and chase was two. Either way it, it went chasing them Pitts. Okay. They, they took him over. They, okay. took him, they took Pitts over Sewell. Oh Yeah. That would have been a better fit for their offensive scheme for sure. It's like my point is, exactly. why did yeah. you draft him? Why did you why did you draft him if you're just going to bring in J- Jonu Smith and target him j- about as much as Kyle Pitts? It makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. Like they like no. it doesn't make sense for them to draft Bijan and and still give Algier half the care. It, like it doesn't. Yeah, it makes more sense for them to draft Bijan if they want to run the ball. But um, but yeah, it's I don't know. Like gosh, I I. Oh, I want. No, I was, I was wrong. Jay coming in clutch. Chase was seven. Pitts was four. Not, I mean, not that we would would have wanted them to draft Jamar Chase anyway, because they would have like, oh, I know we've got this awesome pass catcher, like maybe like one of the best ones in the league, but we're gonna hand the ball off, uh, like Arthur Smith. Like, what do we? I don't understand. The Falcons literally have, are deploying the 32nd best starting quarterback. They, they better, they, they might as well. Ritter be. is one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen. And just because of that scheme, 
he's he's in there. Like I, I fully believe Heineke would look like a Pro Bowl quarterback in this system. They may as well just run they like bring a fullback in and run the freaking wing tee. Just run the wing tee. Like Kyle Pitts, get out of here. Just bring in blocking tight ends. Oh, you know run, Arthur run, Smith ran the wing tee in high school. That's what he grew up on. Yeah. I mean I bet he, Arthur Smith was one of those farm town kids where like they ran like 60 times a game. Well, isn't Arthur Smith like the didn't his dad like a, a higher up in FedEx or isn't it like or something like that? I have no idea. I don't know if Arthur Smith. <laughs> I'm not that caught up farm. in the Arthur Smith family. I think fortune. so. I think his dad is like the one of the founders of FedEx or something or like a higher. I don't know. Some somebody in the chat. Well, uh, for for a guy who founded a delivery system, you would think Arthur Smith would be more proficient <laughs> at getting the ball from one side of the end zone into the other. The logistics there are pretty yeah. simple. Throw it to Kyle Pitts in the red zone. It's not that hard, but it's risky. We're actually putting the ball in the air. It's like, yeah, I know it's football in 2023. It's amazing how that happens. Like, it's it's much more efficient if if you can do it properly to like the most athletic tight end. So the point is, I gosh, I don't want to answer that question, but I think I'd choose Kyle Pitts just because I'm probably an idiot. I don't know, like. I want like Kyle Pitts is so good. I just I I don't know why Atlanta is holding him prisoner. Like they just hate fantasy football. I guess I don't know. I don't know what to say. They do indeed. So, well, he, anyway, it yeah. took us an hour and fifteen minutes, but we finally went off the rails like we usually do. So yeah, kudos to us for sticking sticking to the flow of things for as long as we did. But you got anything to plug this week, Seth? Yeah. Um, go check out our article section. Um, we have weekly articles about, I mean, regarding any topic that you want. We have Dynasty, DFS, obviously Redraft. Theo published his waiver wire article, which I highly recommend that you read before you put your waiver claims in on Tuesdays or you put them in on Wednesdays. His article comes out on Tuesdays. So just it's all free. Go there and you make yourself better at fantasy football. You can follow me on Twitter at Seth underscore D I E W O L D to get my, you know, crazy bears uh, takes and fantasy football advice. And then I've got a YouTube channel as well. You can same first and last name. I put a video out today about um, Justin Fields and some running back injuries, um, kind of some strategies that you can use to fill those running back holes. So, uh, yeah, those are all my plugs and I'm probably forgetting something, but Matt, what do you have to plug, uh, this evening before we get off the air? So my, my weekly article, the, everything you need to know about this week in the NFL article is going to drop on Friday. So I'm going to write that actually right after this show. So now that we're two weeks in, have a little bit more information to work with. So, you know, as the season goes along, this, uh, this article is going to, change and it's gonna it's gonna get more in depth so uh tune in for that playerprofiler.com slash articles on friday you can check that out you can follow me on twitter at babich underscore matt 10 where you can get my updates on articles this podcast and many other musings and i believe that's all i have so seth would you like Mm -hmm. to carry us out with your your famous words yep uh i don't know man i i feel bad like can i do like two minutes on Aaron Rodgers real quick. Sure. Take it, take it away. All right. So we all know that Aaron, like we, we close out the show by saying that nobody cares about Aaron Rodgers. And like, I kind of feel bad. Like I, 
I don't know if I, like I do care. I do. I want him to recover, right? I want him to 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 come back, you know, healthy. Uh, I hope he plays next season, so we can do all this whole thing. We can do it all over again. We can do it all over again because you know, I I I, I mean, he he wasn't going to be good this year. We all know. I mean that, that he wasn't going to be good, and so he gets hurt, and now I I I'm, I can't be proven right. So we I do care about Aaron Rodgers' recovery. All right. No, I, I never want to see a player get injured as much as I do not like Aaron Rodgers. Right. We never wish injury on anybody. Seth cares. That's right, Jay. So go get healthy, Aaron Rodgers. Go get yourself right for the for the not playoffs that the Jets are not making while they have Zach Wilson on the team. They're not, they're not making the playoffs with it, 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 with Zach Wilson. I'm sorry. I don't care how good the defense is and get get right for next year. So I can I can say one more time. That nobody cares about Aaron Rodgers. Nobody cares about how many drugs that you smoke in the offseason. Go smoke them all, Aaron. No one cares go, about go, your speed go, bridge, Aaron. Go, go date Not another actress. January. Go, go date another actress that nobody cares about. Shailene Chill Shailene something. What, what's her name? Like Chuck. We had a we we had a better opportunity to end the show than I I we're no, stumbling on my, actresses. This is my now. thing. This is no like I had a whole thing, and this is how we do things around here, Matt. It's not this is this is these are the moments this show lives for, and I'm here to produce them for our dedicated audience. So come back healthy, Aaron, because nobody cares about you, and I'll be here to say that nobody cares about you next year. So you can lead the Jets to a nine and eight, nobody cares about season that you were gonna lead them to this year.